Christmas was never just a noun. It was a verb. Perhaps you know this already. We decorate our homes extra special to reflect the season we're in. We shop or sometimes hunt for the perfect presents and gifts for loved ones. We cook recipes for special meals, for get-togethers hosted during this time of year. We sing songs that are only relevant for these few weeks. As it's been said, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Sometimes in our cases we travel long distances, sometimes across the country, to be with other people for holiday events. We gather with our families, loved ones, co-workers, and others to celebrate the occasion and often exchange gifts. Christmas as a verb is not just one singular verb, rather it is an amalgamation of verbs that combine into one to often define the Christmas season. We've been conditioned to tolerate incorporating additional verbs into our routines because, after all, it's Christmas. Christmas was never just a noun. It was a verb. But has it always been this way? Perhaps Christmas has always been a verb, a combination of verbs, really, even from the start. Many of you know the Christmas story as told by Luke and his gospel. And while we could zoom in on many pockets of this chronicling of the birth of Jesus, I want to invite us to join a band of shepherds out in a field near or around the village of Jerusalem one fateful evening. We're intruding upon a group of people that if we were alive in first century Palestine, we'd likely steer clear from. Having a career as a shepherd in first century Palestine is not as romantic as we've come to think of it today. Our music, artwork, nativity scenes, movies, and whatnot paint shepherds in a more positive light than their neighbors thought of them. Shepherds were disliked. They were unpopular. Many considered them to be unrefined social misfits and lazy. Their jobs kept them in the fields as opposed to being faithful attenders of the synagogue. Often shepherds would trespass onto other people's property to let their flocks graze on them. This gave them the reputation of being untrustworthy and even barred from testifying in a court of law. But nevertheless... It is this assembly of society's least liked and least trusted individuals that Luke tells us an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Without warning, the splendor of God's majesty encircles them. This band of shepherds who seconds ago were just trying to do their job are now engulfed in a phenomena few humans will ever witness in our lifetimes. This sudden interruption fills the shepherds with dread. These guardians and protectors of sheep are now rendered defenseless and powerless at the arrival of only one angel. The angel that appeared immediately attempts to calm their fears by voicing aloud, Fear not. 
He has not invaded their space to scare them or harm them. Rather, he is merely a messenger, a bringer of good news, of great joy. And this word for good news is the same original Greek word that we derive the word gospel from. The angel has appeared to share with them the advent of the gospel. Something amazing has just occurred in the podunk village of Bethlehem that cannot go unannounced. Moments ago, a baby was born, and embodied within this newborn is Christ the Lord. He has arrived. He has come. The one the prophets had talked about has entered our world, and the proof, the sign that what this angel has just said is true is that these shepherds can actually go see for themselves if they wandered into town. The baby will be wrapped in swaddling clothes and resting in a manger. They can see Christ the Lord with their own eyes. But before the shepherds can make heads or tails of this, of what has just happened, Luke says suddenly the sky around them is filled with a multitude of additional angelic beings praising God. Many of us picture this as a heavenly chorus singing, and perhaps it was. But nevertheless, at the advent of the Christ the Lord, the populace of heaven could not help themselves but worship God because of what has just happened. While the residents of earth have not quite picked up on the significance of this momentous event, the residents of heaven have, and they cannot help but say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's after this impromptu concert, the angels have returned to heaven, leaving the shepherds once again alone in the dead of night with their flocks. It's hard to judge how long this event took place, but my best guess is that this angelic visit was shorter than the commercial break between a chief's game. But a lot has happened in this span of time, enough to change the world. And understandably, these shepherds begin conversing amongst themselves. How could you not turn to your colleague and voice aloud your thoughts on what just happened? I can't believe none of the shepherds haven't said anything until this point. I know I would have. But it's within this deliberation they surmise a plan. They decide to check this sign out. They take the angel at his word. After all they just experienced, they can't just sit there. And defying the lazy stereotype surrounding them, the shepherds immediately get moving and head to town to see this thing that has happened, which they confess God has personally revealed to them. And it doesn't take long for them to find Christ the Lord in a manger, just as the angel assured them they would. And at the sight of the sign, it's then that these shepherds transition into becoming messengers. These distrust, distrusted, looked down upon members of society become the first messengers of the gospel. Or I should say the first earthly messengers of the gospel. Luke tells us that when they saw it, they became made known this saying that had been told to them concerning this child. It presumably started with the baby's own parents. Mary and Joseph had no invitations to the angelic concert out in the fields. They were understandably a bit preoccupied with delivery and birth. 
But then likely the shepherds began telling others outside that manger scene what they saw and heard. It left people wondering. It caused Mary to treasure these memories in her heart. And then after sharing the good news, they returned to their fields and their flocks, still worshiping and praising God about everything that happened to them and everything they were told. Christmas was never just a noun. It was a verb. Even from the start, we trace the verbs of the shepherds, the first people to celebrate Christmas. First, the shepherds listened and believed the angel's message. They didn't question or quiz the angel. They trust what the angel has said as gospel because it was. But the number two, in response, without hesitation, without concern, without reservation, the shepherds go to Bethlehem and see with their own eyes the Christ child that the angel spoke of. They respond with action. They respond with movement. They respond by doing something. And then third, all on their own, they tell someone else about it. The angel doesn't tell them to tell others. Neither does Mary and Joseph. In fact, it seems that Mary was content to internally ponder all of this in her heart as opposed to telling others about it. And as for Joseph, we don't know. He doesn't get much screen time in Luke's gospel. But in light of all that has happened to them, they cannot help but share all that they had seen and heard with others. They can't keep it to themselves. They wanted to share the good news. These six verbs have been something that have been on my mind as I revisit this familiar text of Christmas this time of year. While I've read this story, reread this story, heard this story, performed this story, and sung about the story, perhaps you've done that as well, about these shepherds witnessing this angelic chorus of angels, the verbs that encapsulate the response of the shepherds is something that I have not dwelled too long on too long before. I think I've taken it for granted. The curse of knowledge, as I've heard a former preacher describe it, since we know something so deeply, we don't give it much extra thought. I know this story. Perhaps you do too. But I believe the Holy Spirit has a way of illuminating something on the pages of Scripture if we allow him to. Christmas was never just a noun. It was a verb. And while our Christmas may be filled with verbs like decorate, shop, cook, sing, travel, and gather, and many more, can we not neglect the verbs of the first witnesses of Christmas? Can we incorporate them into the verbs we're already doing this holiday season? Listen, believe, go, see, tell, return. The first thing the shepherds did was listen and believe the message of the angel. Their lives were interrupted by the angel and the message he brought. They were not seeking this message. The message found them. And instead of ignoring or interrupting the angel, they listened to it. Only after the angel and his companions returned to heaven did they start talking about it. And it's within this debrief that the belief of the shepherd starts to blossom. They speak amongst themselves and decide to go to Bethlehem because they believed they would find Christ the Lord. They recognize this spontaneous angelic visit was no sheer coincidence. God revealed the gospel to them 
for a reason. So the shepherds make haste for Bethlehem, believing they would find what the angel revealed to them. Listen and believe are the foundations for our faith in Jesus as well. We all have had, or at one point in time, we've already had, listened and believed the message of the angel. Like the shepherds, we didn't seek the gospel. The gospel found us. God ordained for a messenger to tell us the good news about Christ the Lord. And while it probably wasn't an angel, someone told us the same thing the angels told the shepherds. Either it's a pastor or a youth pastor, a Sunday school teacher, parent, grandparent, friend, loved one, or someone else shared the message that God's Savior has arrived in the form of a child who grew up to become a man known as Jesus of Nazareth. And after we heard the gospel, we were left with a decision much like the shepherds. Do we believe what we were told or not? Do we choose to go just a bit further, to go see for ourselves if what we were told is true? Do we dare to venture to go into town and come to -to face-to-face with the one I was told about? We've heard, but now do we believe? The second thing the shepherds did was go and see the baby they were told about. The shepherds didn't delay to see the Christ child. They didn't wait until it was convenient. They didn't wait until morning. They didn't hesitate for a second about whether or not they should go. They went. They did something in response to what they experienced. They could not sit idly by while Christ the Lord lay in a manger within walking distance of where they were. They wanted to personally meet the one called Christ the Lord. They wanted to come into contact with the one a battalion of angels has just sung about. They wanted to see for themselves the Savior. They went, saw, and joined the community already forming around Christ the Lord, which right now consisted only of his mother and the father. Many of us may have found ourselves there. The next step of our journey of faith after listening and believing is going and seeing. We move into a closer proximity with the one we heard about. We want to see ourselves, see for ourselves whether this Jesus is all he's cracked up to be. And inevitably in this process of going and seeing, Jesus becomes more involved in our lives. Jesus becomes more personal to us as a byproduct of coming into closer proximity with him, and we actually join an assembly of others, a community of faith, all fixated on the same person that brought us all together, the one we all heard and believed. The third and final thing the shepherds did was share the gospel with others. No one told them to tell anyone. The Great Commission comes later. In fact, it's actually not in Luke's gospel. It's in Matthew's. But these shepherds felt compelled and called to imitate the angel. They wanted to share with other people what they saw and heard. The first missionaries and evangelists of Jesus Christ on earth were these shepherds. It started with people familiar with the Christ child, but then broadened beyond the confines of that manger scene. They listened and believed a revelation from God, went and saw the proof of that revelation, and then told other people about it. But only once their task was completed did the shepherds return to their occupations and livelihoods waiting for them out in the fields. And that's what the church is called to do in light of what has been revealed to her. 
We're called to be witnesses and testify to all that we have seen and heard. As the carol rightfully says, we're called to join the triumph in the sky and with the angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Our message is that mild he laid, hid glory by, born that no more man no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. The message of the gospel is not meant to exist in a vacuum within the confines of the church. It's meant to be shared to the world so that can find other people just like it found us. We're called to be faithful messengers of the, like the angels and shepherds that came before us. And once we have done our duty, we can return to our work and play. What verbs do you need to incorporate into your Christmas this year? Listen, believe, go, see, tell, return. Maybe for you this morning, this is the first time you've really hearkened the message of the angel. We don't say hark much anymore when we mean to say listen, but that's what we say every time we sing that beloved Christmas carol, hark the herald angels sing. But that almost wasn't the case. Its author, Charles Wesley, was an English leader in the Methodist movement in the 18th century. And he's credited with over 9,000 hymns, many of which are still sung today. And can it be, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, and Christ the Lord is risen today, just to name a few. But one of Charles's pet peeves was when people would tinker or edit the words of his hymn. Like any author or artist, he did not like people tampering with his creation. But one man did such a thing that has changed this song forever. You see, Charles originally wrote, Hark how all the welkin rings. The word welkin was an old English term meaning the vault in heaven. In other words, Wesley was trying to say, Listen, the vaults of heaven are sounding. But Charles's friend and fellow pastor George Whitfield changed the wording to what we know today. Whitfield altered it to reflect the announcement the shepherds witnessed, Hark the herald angels sing. And maybe for you this morning, this is the first time you have hearkened the message embodied in the melody of the angel's song or resounding from the vaults of heaven like originally Wesley wrote. The message of the gospel found you. You hear the angel's message more clearly than ever. And maybe you're still processing what you've heard. It's a lot to take in, I understand. But now that you've heard, Now that you've hearkened it, what does it look like for you to decide whether you believe? How can this church come alongside you during this decision? Maybe maybe you've got some further questions. We'd be happy to help answer those the best that we can. For you, maybe look and believe are the verbs for you this Christmas. Maybe for you this morning, you're still out in the fields trying to determine what you're going to do next. You've heard, you've believed, but the next step eludes you or you're procrastinating what to do next. Can I encourage you to go and see? It will require some movement. It will require even some risk. You will have to leave the comfortability of the fields and the security of doing what you've always done, but it will mean getting into closer proximity with Christ the Lord. It will mandate that you come into personal contact and develop a relationship with the one Gabriel told Mary would be called the Son of the Most High. You won't find him in the fields. 
Jesus isn't out in the fields. He's in a manger. The angel has pointed out where he is. He's close by. He's not a long way off. In fact, Jesus has shortened the gap between us and God. But we'll never get to God if we don't do something. If we don't go and see for ourselves. Maybe it means getting involved with us here at Given Baptist Church, a community of faith striving to be fixated and, and collected around Christ the Lord. All of us in this church family have gathered not as a social club, but instead because we heard about the one who has arrived to save us all. What we all share is the same journey that we're all on, which is following after Christ the Lord. We'd be honored if you wanted to come and join us. For you, maybe go and see are your verbs this Christmas. Maybe you've gone to the manger scene. You've seen Christ the Lord. You've even cultivated a relationship with Jesus Christ by being in close proximity for a long time. So much so that you actually kind of want to stay in the stable instead of venturing out and telling someone about it. Don't let your nativity scenes fool you. The shepherds were not content with remaining with Christ, the Christ child and his parents in the barn forever. They knew that others needed to hear the news. They knew what the shepherd, what the angel had said was not reserved just for them. It was something the whole world needed to hear, which the angel told them was good news of great joy that will be for all people. And concerns about their well-being, their careers, their plans that could safely wait out in the fields while they faithfully shared the gospel with others. Friends, for you, maybe you need to tell someone what you've experienced because of Christ the Lord. Maybe you need to tell others what you have seen and heard. We're not looking for a theological dissertation. Just tell people what you've seen and heard. That's all the shepherds knew at this point. Their job and the way to make ends meet will be there. The fields aren't going anywhere. You can return to that after God is through using you to share the gospel. But maybe you need to speak up and tell other people about what you have heard, believed, went, and saw. When you're at the basketball game cheering on your child, God may have positioned you in that arena because someone that night might need to hear the good news. When you're at the company Christmas party and you're making relationships with your coworkers, maybe you can share what you've seen and heard and start planting the seeds of the gospel and how you speak and behave. When you're at your family gatherings this time of year, amidst the gift opening and food consuming, maybe this is the year you finally tell that relative about what you have seen and heard concerning the Christ child. You may never know the fruits of your witness. The shepherds likely had no clue their actions in a way extended beyond the city limits of Bethlehem that evening. By their actions, they have been spreading the gospel through the pages of Scripture for nearly two millennia. You may never get any credit or recognition. We don't know the names. These shepherds are anonymous. You may never convince someone. We can't control what others will do with the message we bring. The angels could not coerce the shepherds any more than we can with those that we share with. But can we at least be faithful in telling others the good news? For you, tell and return are your verbs this Christmas. Listen, believe, go, see, tell, return. Which ones do you need to embody this Christmas?